everyone. It's your host here, Marcel. Last week, we hosted Sean Michael Wade for a riveting discussion on pleasure education through a collective they started called Brownfuck. If you want to check that out, head on over to Chapter 1, Part 1. So, since I'm so passionate about this topic, I decided to bring in another expert on the issue to discuss her work in pleasure education through an amazing startup called O-School. So real quick, before we start, I wanted to emphasize that parts of this interview definitely focus on Letitia's views more so than O-Schools as a whole. This is true for all of the interviews, but just wanted to give that a particular underscore here. Now, with that out of the way, check it out, and I'll see you all at the end of the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Defining Equity, a show meant to center and celebrate those living at the margins. Today, we're going to be having a conversation about pleasure education and online platforms. So in having that, today we're joined by Letitia James, who is the Chief Operating Officer for a startup known as O-School. O-School is a shame-free online platform for pleasure education, and today we'll be getting into all the details of that and what that looks like. So without further ado, Letitia, everyone, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So, you know, just to kind of like have the audience get to know you a little bit before we go into all the nitty gritty sure. about O School because it's an amazing platform. <laughs> uh, would you mind just like telling us a little bit about yourself? So, you know, obviously we know your name is Letitia, but like <laughs> um, maybe like, you know, where you live currently, any sort of like fun, quick facts about you? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Um, I am a recent, recent transplant, just mm-hmm. moved there about two months ago oh, wow. uh, with my fiance and our dog. So <laughs> um, before that, we were living in California and mm-hmm. in the Bay. And actually, we met here in DC. Oh, cool. Um, and we lived here in DC for about four years. But I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. Mm, uh, always awesome. and forever a Brooklyn girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also first generation Afro Caribbean. Uh, gotcha. So my father is from Jamaica and mm. my biological mom was from St. Vincent. Mm. And my adopted mom is from Guadeloupe, which is the French West Indies. So anyway, gotcha. you slice it. I'm hella Caribbean. <laughs> hella Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got you. That's awesome. I'm real proud of that. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow, you've lived in so many different places, like New York, Atlanta, California, have, DC. Do you have yeah. like a? I mean, it sounds like you always be a Brooklyn girl, but like, how are those? How do you compare the four? Um, well, actually, if there, I would have to add in some more if I were to like do a real comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to high school in Switzerland. Amazing. Um, in Geneva, and it's still one of my favorite places on the planet. I constantly try to bribe my partner into <laughs> um, letting me move us there if and when we have kids. Right. That, like, I can raise them there partially because I just, I love it so much. And their mm. school system is really, really amazing. So, wow. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love to sort of talk a little bit about that um, <laughs> to the discussion. Sure. Um, so, I like to ask you like just a few more questions before we get started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned your family a little bit just now, but would you mind just telling me a little bit about like kind of what growing up was like, any hobbies you might have, any sort of like additional information like that? Sure, mm-hmm. hobbies. Yes. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, when, like family hobbies. Let's yeah. see which way to go. Um, so hobbies, I guess, would be I dance. Mm. Um, I've been dancing since I was born, my family likes to say. Mm. <laughs> um, it's always been really important to me. And actually, from a really early age, dance kind of became a form of prayer for me. Mm. I'm a very deeply spiritual person. And when I got to a point where I was like, oh, this whole praying with words thing doesn't really do it for me. Right. And I started dancing and I eventually got into liturgical dance. Um, mm. And that would be the times when I felt my most connected to what I call the divine. So yeah, so dance, it's still with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a Zumba instructor now for like seven years. Um, (laughs) And uh, trying to get back into it. I haven't actually taught a class in a while, but I'm Mm -hmm. hoping to uh, start back up in Atlanta. So, you know, wish me luck. (laughs) (laughs) What else? I love to cook, Mm -hmm. which is definitely something I got from my family. Mm -hmm. The dancing I got from my family too. I mean, I think think in Caribbean culture, dance Mm -hmm. is a very very big part of the culture mm. uh cooking for sure i learned how to cook from my grandmother but also my dad actually my dad is a really good cook mm. 
and I grew up with him being the one who did most of the cooking in our house. What else? I love to read. I'm currently reading Hunger by Roxane Gay, and it has me in all of my feelings all the time. (laughs) What's it it about? Uh, So it's a memoir, as she calls it, a memoir of her body. Mm Mm-hmm. And about being a fat black woman mm-hmm. in in this country and what that means and how she's navigated that right. um, and the various traumas. And for me, it's been so relatable because mm-hmm. I've had I've struggled with body image issues my entire life. I would say partially encouraged by mm-hmm. some things I learned within my family structure, unfortunately, right. and also. Because as someone with a history of sexual trauma, I relate very much to what she describes as her process of trying to make herself ugly mm. by becoming fat. Right. Um, so that she wouldn't be, des- so her body wouldn't be desirable. Mm. Um, which is really interesting and I can relate to that very, very heavily. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm reading it slowly because every, every time I get to a part, I'm like, oh my God, I need to put it down. <laughs> this is my life. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, Hunger by Roxanne Gay, you said? Yes, okay, Hunger. I, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God, that, I, we'll, we'll, we'll chat. Yes, uh, yes. So, I, yeah, I, I have book recommendations for days. So. Okay, so. <laughs> So okay, we, so we can even get back to that. We'll, 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 we'll chat offline. Um, cool. That's good. Yeah, so so that's like kind of my, my hobbies. And then, of course, you know, I love like cuddling with my fiance and, and our pup in our house. I'm a homebody most of the time. I love so that. if I'm not out dancing or cooking or reading, I'm probably on the couch watching HGTV or Food Network with my fiance. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> that is amazing. It's like we're <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I have three icebreaker questions. Just like one more final sort of like right. get to know you thing and okay. then we'll jump right into the discussion. Okay. So I have three questions of which you can answer all three if you want to. Or okay. I usually recommend just answering one because okay. it's, it's a lot. So question one. What was a dream you used to have all the time? Question two. Who was your childhood best friend? And question three. How would a high school teacher describe you? So of those three questions, which or do you feel the most inclined to answer? Hmm. I'm going to go with the teacher one. Mm, Awesome. I think that if I were to see one of my high school teachers now, Mm -hmm. you said high school, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. They would probably best describe me as talkative, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which hasn't changed. (laughs) Um, Bubbly. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say this in one word, but I think it would be living below my potential Mm. a little bit. Okay. Like, me then. Okay. Yeah, is how they would describe me. Like, they would probably describe me as someone with a lot of potential who, like, didn't always know how to channel it or, like, how to really excel in the Mm. way that they thought that I could. Gotcha. How did a report that that has changed? That's good. (laughs) So that's good. I think they would probably say I have a big heart Mm. and really love my community and love to give back. Mm. And, yeah, I'm a helper. I love that. One way to just actually describe me that way once. Um, and if I'm thinking of one teacher in particular. Mm-hmm. I think he would be really happy with what I'm doing right now in terms mm-hmm. of O school, and especially because I'm going to be streaming on the platform, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, but I, I, I say this because I remember once in class something had happened. It was funny. Everybody was laughing. Mm-hmm. I was laughing too. But then he stopped the class mm-hmm. and he goes. Look at her. Like, <laughs> laugh. <laughs> so good. Don't you think she should have her own show? Everyone in the class was just like, what? It's is like, girl, we're all just laughing, but. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, he was so serious, though. He was mm. like, you need your own show. <laughs> like, okay, Mr. Drew. <laughs> So I don't know, doing live streaming on a on my own platform. Does I that love it. is that close enough? Yeah. Maybe? Oh my god. Oh, Mr. Drew, classic Mr. Drew. Classic Mr. Drew. <laughs> but yes. Okay. So. Like you just mentioned, we're going to be talking about old school today and having this whole conversation about like pleasure education, online platforms, the whole nine. So before we jump into all of that, I love to sort of just like talk about what sex education looks like in this country in general. Sort of like what sex education? There we go. Okay, so like <laughs> what? How, so just from your work, how would you describe, I guess, the current landscape of sex in the in the U.S. Um, <laughs> okay. And yeah, deep breaths. Yes, deep breaths. And yes. <sighs> 
So I have been doing sex education in some shape or form since I was 16. Mm. And part of the reason I want to go back to Switzerland and have my children <laughs> experience Swiss education right. is because the way that I started talking about sex ed was when I was in high school. Mm. And my guidance counselor, I don't remember if I told her or she found out, it doesn't really matter, but she found out that I had been born to an HIV positive mother who had since passed away when I was very young and asked me if I would share my story. Mm-hmm. And so for World AIDS Day, we were doing this big thing, and I shared my story. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, she asked me if I would be interested in talking to my peers about safe sex oh. and about, like, the risks of right. unsafe sex and all these different things. And so at that time, I will admit I wasn't very pleasure-focused. I mm-hmm. was very, like, risk-averse-focused. Right. So that's where sex ed was coming from. But just the fact that she wanted to give me this 16-year-old who was a peer counselor at mm-hmm. school a platform to engage in conversation around safer sex practices right. with other 16- and 17-year-olds... <laughs> Um, it was kind of a big deal. Wow, and I yeah. knew it was something that would never happen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And not only would never happen in that way, but when she asked me, I told her that I would do it only under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, except I'm not going to do it with my grade. I'll do it with the grade below. Okay. I wasn't ready to do it with my grade. I was like, that's a little too much. Yes. I also have friends and I know people's business. So I was like, yeah. we're not, no, that's too much. Fair. I was like, but I'll, I'll talk to the 10th graders. <laughs> and then the second thing I said was, and there can't be any faculty or administration in the room. Wow. And she agreed. Amazing. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um. <laughs> so <laughs> when I think about that experience, which mm-hmm. was, almost 15 years ago. <laughs> right. And I think about where the U.S. is with sex education. Like, mm-hmm. you can't see this, listeners, but I have my hands held really far right. apart. <laughs> it's just night and day here. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's still like that. And actually, it's getting worse instead of mm-hmm. getting better. You know, there's still cuts going on, and there's this push for abstinence-only education, Mm -hmm. and, you know, organizations like Planned Parenthood or, like, Advocates for Youth have to Mm -hmm. be stealth and find these, like, really tricky ways sometimes to just teach youth and young Mm -hmm. adults and adults and older adults (laughs) about their bodies, right? right? And And about something that is, like... Literally innate in all of yeah. us, <laughs> except for those of us who are asexual, and mm-hmm. you know, and also, and even then, though, you still need sex ed, you yeah. still need pleasure ed, mm-hmm. and so I just, I'm so infuriated with <laughs> the lack of sex education that exists in our schools and in our country, and what does exist is awful yeah it's it's shame-based it's fear-based there are people (laughs) going around schools that are still doing that ridiculous tape test oh we're not describing it i I know it's horrifying (laughs) but like i I have to describe it (laughs) no one knows that no one can see me okay okay so listeners (laughs) in case you are unaware in abstinence only sex ed programs they do this activity where they typically have a boy come up to the front of the room, in front of the class, and they take a piece of scotch tape, and they stick it on his arm, and they pull it off. Mm. And then another boy comes up, they stick it on his arm, and they pull it off. And they do this continuously until the tape is no longer sticky. Mm. And then at the end of it, <laughs> the... the the quote educator goes <laughs> now imagine if this was a young girl <laughs> and and she like talks about she's like how many how many boys did it take for that to lose its stickiness she's like this is what happens when you have unprotected not even unprotected sorry not unprotected sex this is what happens when you have sex before marriage or when you have multiple partners she essentially mm. compares a young woman to a piece of tape right. who has lost her stickiness. And basically says no one is going to want her after that, right? Because she's mm. 
she's not, she doesn't have, you know, and, and the metaphor being used there, right, is not to get too crass, but the metaphor being used there is around anatomy because mm-hmm. there, there's this assumption around the, the vagina that if you have multiple partners as someone with a vagina and this assumption, of course, because it's absence only education and it's usually Christian based, it's very heteronormative and, um, very cis centered. So it's the assumption that it's like cis woman and a cis man. And so she's having sex with all these male partners and mm-hmm. eventually her vagina is going to lose its elasticity or lose its whatever. It's awful. (laughs) Everything is awful. (laughs) And it makes me want to punch things. Yeah. Oh my God. I personally go through sex and I didn't experience that, but I know a lot of people who've done that activity and I'm just like, that is awful. It's awful. It's awful. The other one is the crumpled flower, which many of you actually may know if you've watched Jane the Virgin. Mm. because they talk about it in Jane the Virgin. Because yeah. that's what her grandmother did to her when she was little. And that's yeah. why Jane was traumatized and was like, <laughs> I need to be a virgin forever. Because <laughs> her grandmother took this flower and crumpled it up and was like, try to put it back to its natural state. And Jane was like, I can't. And she was like, that's what happens if you have sex. And it's like, oh my God. We laugh, but everything's on fire. Everything's um, on fire. I laugh to stop from crying. I laugh to stop from crying. <laughs> oh, it's so rough. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. So quickly, I want to discuss before we go into old school. So sort of like, what's the difference? Or I guess, how would you describe the difference between pleasure education and sex education? And sort of like going forward, like, what's the utility, I guess, of pleasure education? Sure, sure. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I hinted at this a little bit. So I would say that when I started out, when I was 16 and I was a pure educator, what I was doing was sex education. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because it was very anatomy focused. It was very much focused on being aware of risks that come mm-hmm. with sex, focused on, you know, how to be safer when you're having sex, focused on potential sexually transmitted infections and diseases and things of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all the risks associated with having sex. Right. Which, yes. There are risks associated with having sex. Mm-hmm. And there's risks associated with anything. There's risks associated with crossing the street. Sure are. But I'm not going to get into that yep. tangent right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, the difference with pleasure education or, or sex education that focuses pleasure mm-hmm. is that we are not just focusing on these risks that are associated with sex. We're not just focusing on the anatomical things or, mm-hmm. you know, how to protect yourself. While all those things are important, Mm -hmm. yes, it's also important to focus on the whole person, Mm -hmm. right? This notion that we can talk about sex education without talking about the fact that sex brings pleasure is ludicrous to me. (laughs) It's ludicrous. There is is pleasure Mm -hmm. in sex. Mm -hmm. If done right, <laughs> if done well, <laughs> there are certain there are certain parameters. Right. <laughs> but most times, sex should be pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And so, how how do we expect people to experience that pleasure mm-hmm. if we're not talking about it, or if we're acting like it's something bad? Mm-hmm. Even if let's say okay. We focus on this abstinence-only education, waiting to have sex until marriage, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't you want people to still have pleasure? <laughs> if I wait <laughs> 20 however many years to have sex, right. you've now traumatized me into thinking that it's the worst thing ever. With all these crumple flowers. With all these crumple flowers and tape and whatever. And then I don't have pleasure at the end of it. I am going to come and find you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have a serious conversation. Mm. Like, it makes no sense to me. You know, and so for me, really, there needs to be a focus on pleasure. And, And honestly, if we focus on pleasure, it opens us up to be able to focus on other things. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, if I'm just teaching you the mechanics of sex, or how to be safe, or, and when I say safe, I mean using barriers during mm-hmm. sex, because there's also another type of safety that we can talk about. But using barriers during sex and sexual partners and all these different things, mm-hmm. I'm not treating you as a whole person. Yeah. I'm treating you as a body mm-hmm. with parts. Yeah. And, and that 
I, I don't know how about, about you, but that feels <laughs> awful to me. I don't want anyone to treat me as a body with parts. Right. Whereas if I focus on pleasure education and I look at you as a whole person and we can talk about, okay, what brings you pleasure? Mm-hmm. What are your desires? And we start from that place. Trust me, we're going to get to the other stuff yeah. because you're going to need the mechanics in order to get the pleasure. And you're going to want probably, you know, how to do it safely right. and how to protect yourself. And also, if we focus on the pleasure, then I get to know more about you. Mm-hmm. We get to talk about things like, well, what brings you joy in general? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you see as healthy in a sexual relationship? Right. We talk about relationships, like communication. You can mm-hmm. talk about consent. You can talk about all these other things because now it's like, oh, look at you in right. your wholeness <laughs> and not just as a body with parts. Right. Wow. Oh my God. I'm, that was so inspirational. <laughs> Did you prepare that in a bit? <laughs> wow. Um, I, wow. Oh my God. That's, yeah, that's so real. <laughs> Thank you. So let's talk about like, let's talk about old school. Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah. Like, so give us the rundown. Like, what is it? How did it get started? Like your role specifically, all that. Sure. Awesome. Okay. So old school, as you said in your beautiful introduction, mm-hmm. is a shame-free online platform for pleasure education. And part of the reason why old school was started was because our CEO, Andrea Barica. She identifies as a queer Filipina mm-hmm. and was raised in a Catholic household and mm-hmm. so got a healthy dose of Catholic guilt and shame <laughs> growing up. Um, and she herself had a lot of these same questions around why is like sex so fear-based and shame-based and all these different things. Before she and I met, I was having my own similar questions. Uh, mm-hmm. As I talked about earlier, I am Jamaican. I grew up in a very Caribbean household with mostly my Jamaican side of my family, and I was raised Pentecostal Christian. And so that brought its own set of shame and fear <laughs> and all the things <laughs> that came with it. You notice the religion has a theme here right. <laughs> throughout the sex ed conversation. So Andrea was starting this company and she sent out a preliminary questionnaire to people. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of doing this. If, if this company were to come to fruition, would you be interested in it? And a mutual friend of ours forwarded it to me. And she mm-hmm. was like, this is this is right up your alley. And I filled out the questionnaire. And at the end, it was like, would you be interested in being an educator on the platform? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. That's my background. That's what I do. Well, she reached out to me and we got into a conversation and then it went from being an educator on the platform to actually being a founding team member, (laughs) Um, which is pretty amazing because I was actually at a point in my life where I was looking at my sexual and reproductive justice work and up until that point had been doing sexual and reproductive justice work in combination with religious work. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have a Master's of Divinity and a Certificate in Sexuality and Religion um, Mm. because I took all that religious trauma and I was like, okay, we're going to go get some healing and we're going to figure out how to help other people because clearly the religion is messing (laughs) up a lot of people's sex lives (laughs) and lives in general. So that was part of my work and what I was doing at the time. And I had just begun the process of figuring out, okay, how do we bring in the tech sector? So I'm a bridger. I'm always looking at different sectors and seeing Mm -hmm. how they can work together. So for a while, it was reproductive justice and and religion. And then I was like, but what about social innovation Mm. and startups? Like, how do we bring that in Mm. into this work and what we're doing? So I met Andrea at a pretty, pretty impeccable time. The universe has great timing. (laughs) So anyway, as O-School started to really go from idea to company, we started thinking about our experiences. We started thinking about the experiences of of women that we know. And then we started thinking about the experiences of gender diverse people that we know. Mm-hmm. And between Andrea's experience, she has a, a strong tech background. She's a serial entrepreneur, mm-hmm. has been in the startup world for, for about seven years. I have my background in reproductive justice. And so mm-hmm. we kind of were like brainstorming, putting our heads together. And we also have amazing engineers on my team as well. And everyone on the team has been this really collaborative process of Mm -hmm. figuring out who is this product for? Why are we making it? Mm -hmm. And so I would say the why is because 
sex education is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. Right. Number two, there really isn't a dedicated place online Mm -hmm. to talk about sex and pleasure or to get educated in this way. Mm -hmm. And more and more people are having to find subversive ways to seek their education. And one of those ways has been through porn. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with porn as an entity, Mm -hmm. right? However, when sex ed is so bad in our country that you have 13 and 14 and Mm 17-year-olds going to porn because they feel like they're not being equipped properly with the knowledge and information that they need, Mm -hmm. that is a problem. Right. And so that was number two Mm -hmm. of the why. And then number three of the why was because when you're online, Mm -hmm. the minute you start talking about sexual identities or gender identities or anything, the floodgates open for harassment. Mm -hmm. It's like a free-for-all, the amount of harassment that happens around these topics. And Mm -hmm. so the third why was having a safe place online to Mm -hmm. have these conversations. And then the fourth why was because even though our government might be awful at putting comprehensive sex ed into place, Mm -hmm. there are amazing sex educators in the world already doing great work and who get it and who are doing comprehensive, inclusive, sex positive, accessible sex ed. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to be an amplification platform for them Mm -hmm. to be able to reach more people with their work. Got to. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, O-School is creating intimate and safe spaces online for people to talk about sex and pleasure and Mm -hmm. amplifying the voices of sex educators who are already doing this amazing work in person. Wow. What does it look like in terms of, you know, topics, modules, all that? um, So we have a wide variety of topics. Yeah. We really right now we're trying to keep things on a one-on-one level, right? Mm -hmm. Because also at our core is this desire to help people to unlearn shame and to heal from trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's both shame and trauma that may come from various areas in their life, but shame and trauma that has come because of the horrible sex act that they received, right? And so providing people with that space to be able to work through those things so that they can own their desires and own their pleasure. Our tagline is actually more pleasure, less shame. Mm. Because we really, really want to see that world. We want to see a world where there is less shame and people have more pleasure and have the confidence and the autonomy and feel empowered to own their desires. The platform itself, like I said, is a live streaming platform. Mm. Um, And so the way that that takes shape is it's a one-to-many streaming Okay. So what that means is as a viewer, if mm-hmm. you were to log in, you could see me as an educator, but I wouldn't be able to see you. Okay. You could hear me, but I wouldn't be able to hear you. Also, anyone else who logged in wouldn't be able to see any of the participants oh. or hear any of the participants. Okay. We do have a chat that functions, mm-hmm. so you can chat with other participants, but mm-hmm. you can't see them and you can't hear them. We also are using pseudonymity. So people don't have to use their real names if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And this, again, goes to the safety aspect and wanting people to feel like they can be themselves. Now, because of the trolling angle, Mm -hmm. and we know that that happens, um, there are parameters in place and safety measures in place so that when you're signing up and things of that nature, we will have built-in moderation. So when you first try to start chatting, you will be heavily moderated. Mm -hmm. So that we can keep the community itself protected from harassment. Got you. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's awesome. We already have about 50 amazing badass sex educators from Mm -hmm. all over the country. Actually, from all over the world. (laughs) We have a couple educators in Canada and we have one educator in Australia and New Zealand. Mm. The majority of educators are based in the US, but I think it's pretty awesome that we're already getting educators from, from all over. Over half of our educators are people of color. Um, a, a third of our educators are trans or gender non-conforming identified, and we range in age, religion, mm. ability, 
all sorts of things. Sexual orientation. It's a pretty kick-ass group (laughs) of people. And, you know, more. More are coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're getting more applications in, which we love and we're really excited about. And we will be looking to launch in October. Oh my god. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah, we're super excited. I'm curious, has everyone gotten the chance to, I guess, meet one another in person? I know there are a few folks from different countries, but... Yeah, so big cohort of educators got to meet earlier this year. Okay. Since then, we've had more educators come on and we've done a few Zoom sessions so mm-hmm. that folks can kind of connect and see each other. I don't think we've had everyone in the same room yet, but we're very excited for when that will happen. Got you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're launching in October. Yes. What's the What's the goal? Like, what's the vision? Like five, 10, however many years from now? I would say I want O-School to be a place where people can not only come for education, mm-hmm. They can also come to see themselves and to be seen mm-hmm. and to feel heard and where they can take off that baggage of shame that society has placed on them for whatever reason, right. whether it be because they're a member of the LGBTQIA community, whether it be because they're into kink and BDSM, whether it be because they're a survivor and they were blamed for their assault, whatever it is, I want school to be that safe haven where they can come and they can feel validated and affirmed and they can walk away empowered knowing mm. that, you know, know what? No, I am a whole person. And this is who I am. And that's okay. And I think also, I want a school to be a place where sex educators can come Mm -hmm. together and share ideas and insights and where they can be lifted up. Because it's criminal that sex educators make next to nothing in most cases, when they're doing such critical work. Mm -hmm. You know, In schools, yes, it's important that we learn about math and science and reading and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And also, I'm a human (laughs) with these desires and this body and these things that are going to be happening to me. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't that education be paramount? And why wouldn't you want the best people teaching me? Mm -hmm. And so really, um, yeah, I, I want a school to be a place where sex educators can get their shine yeah. and can reach as many people as their hearts desires. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm curious. So I know earlier you talked a lot about how you like to merge industries, how you were doing yes. some like religious work and then sex ed and like yes. now you're kind of doing work with the tech industry. You know, I think old school is like the perfect example of using tech to advance like a public health goal. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm just curious, like, could you, I guess, speak a little bit more about like what you've learned through this process of this introduction to tech and like how we can use it more as a platform yeah. with health? <laughs> <laughs> so I have like, I have mixed feelings, right? Like, cause I am like diehard nonprofit sector mm-hmm employee, right? Been in the nonprofit world since I graduated from college. And this is my very first time being in the tech world and working at a startup. And in some ways, it's not different than a nonprofit. In some ways, it's really different. And one of the ways that it's really different is that because I'm not beholden to a grant Mm. or a funder (laughs) and like deliverables, (laughs) I have a lot more license. I have a lot more agency. And the company has a lot more agency, I should say, in what decisions get made. Now, we do have people that we're beholden to, right? Our investors, for sure. But in terms of, like, nitty-gritty, they don't really get involved in that in that kind of thing. And, and that's been really eye-opening and just a little sad in some ways because mm-hmm. I feel like there are some nonprofits who do amazing work and could probably do even more work if they had the funding, the required funding that they needed, and two, if that funding weren't so stringent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is that working in the tech industry, I have a lot more freedom to be creative Mm. and to think really outside the box, um, to be innovative with solutions to issues. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes... Well, not that I think. When I worked in the nonprofit world, while I could be creative in some things, because of everything else going on, it kind of stifled creativity sometimes. Yeah. 
and you know my friends and I talk about the nonprofit industrial complex and and you know it's like it's real <laughs> it's like how can I be creative when I'm so exhausted and I'm doing the job of 10 people and getting paid the job of half so oh, refrain from commenting I, you don't have to comment that's okay. That's okay. We're just gonna, gonna keep, keep it moving. <laughs> no, but I totally. I'm. I'm with you. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, I think for I think some of the lack of innovation within the nonprofit sector is not the nonprofit sector's fault, mm-hmm. and I think some of it is. And also, I think that <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble a little bit. It's okay. Um, I think that <laughs> the way that capitalism is set up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It sets us up in this way that startups and tech companies, et cetera, get all these resources because of a potential profit. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, I think it makes it difficult mm-hmm. for people to decide, right? Like, it's like if you're really passionate about something, typically the only option you're given is to go into the nonprofit sector. Right. right, like if you're like if it's passion and you want to serve the world and mm-hmm. make the world a better place, and you know you get labeled as a bleeding heart and whatever, right? You go work in the nonprofit <laughs> sector, and because of the way capitalism is set up, that's the lie, right? That the mm-hmm. only way to do that kind of work, right, is in the nonprofit world, when in actuality it doesn't have to be that way. One of our company values at O School is do good, do well, mm-hmm. because we believe in doing good, and most of us on the team are bleeding hearts, and we want to, you know, see the world be better. Mm-hmm. And we're we are trying to present a solution to a social problem mm-hmm. when it comes to sex ed and pleasure education, and also we believe in doing well. And I don't think those two things have to be at odds with one another, and also. I think capitalism harms us daily (laughs) in very, very obscene and perverse ways that cause people to have to split themselves in Mm. this way, which just no one should have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. So you're talking a lot about old school's like values and sort of how it's set up. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, like, it sounds like from like, the list of educators you have and even just like the structure of the organization mm-hmm. that it's very much kind of has these underpinnings of like social justice and liberation and things like that. I'm mm-hmm, just curious, mm-hmm. like since like O school is still very much in development, it's like mm-hmm. close to launch and all of that. How do you ensure in the organizational structure that like there's like a tone of liberation in terms of like the structure? Yeah. So I, as the COO, I am actually the person like it's, it's like in my underneath my job mm-hmm. to help us, make sure that we're in line with our values yeah. <laughs> um, and maintaining our culture. And so I think part of the way that we do that is continuously remembering who we're doing this for. Mm. Who is this for? Women and gender diverse people. Who is this for? The people who get harassed the most online mm. for talking about sex and for talking about their identity, their sexual identities. That's one way. I think... The other way is in staying true to ourselves, right? Like, our CEO and founder is, she's a queer woman of color. Mm. Our COO, me, is a queer woman of color. Mm. Our team is actually majority women and GNC folks. Mm. And I think all but one of us is queer, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, so... I think the way we keep it is by staying true to ourselves is like remembering like, okay, these actually you're creating this for people. It's kind of a for us by us situation a little bit, right? Like we, we embody these identities too. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not separate, you know, as mama RJ Lawrence says, the personal is political. (laughs) So so for me, Mm -hmm. none of this is ever separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've already made a commitment to being a different kind of tech company. Mm-hmm. Andrea actually recently published a Medium article where we were very transparent about how we came up with our values. And it's a call that she is giving to other startup founders about why it is that they need a harassment policy from day one. 
mm. even if their company is only three people, you know, and, and how to not turn out like Uber and mm. these other tech companies where I'm not even going to call it a diversity issue because I think that's an insult. It's it's a systemic problem of intolerance and toxicity and racism and sexism and white supremacy. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Right. When people call it a diversity issue, I'm like, no. <laughs> because that makes it seem like the, quote, diverse people are the problem. Right. We are not the problem. <laughs> Your industry is the problem. Right. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, so she posted that on Medium, um, and has, you know, it's very open that we are trying to create a different type of tech company. And mm-hmm. by creating a different type of tech company, we are trying to set an example and to try to help shift the toxic culture within Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you. That's real. So, you know, this has been like an amazing, amazing interview. Like, <laughs> I am literally just like, like I, there was one answer well, I don't know what you were even talking about but like I was almost like brought to tears like I was like wow like the way Letitia speaks just like like my heart is just like oh my god like I love this but you know the show is called Defining Equity so yes. I feel like this kind of goes without saying but how would you say that this work contributes to health equity O school oh and goodness. all of the above yes I think that the work that O-School is doing contributes to health equity because it is putting the power in individuals' hands mm-hmm. to Mama Lord is like my is my <laughs> godmother, is my is my spiritual godmother. Right. So uh, it's putting the power in people's hands to define themselves for themselves mm-hmm. and to take ownership of their sexual lives and their pleasure lives and um see now you got me getting emotional. Um <laughs> I think about when I was 18 and I was scared shitless. Can I curse? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was scared shitless because I was like, okay, girl, so you like women and you grew up real religious and <laughs> Jamaican and everything you've ever heard is like, nah. <laughs> this this can't work <laughs> and I didn't know who to go to or who to talk to or what to do or what that meant or like sexually pleasure like I didn't know that it I knew nothing <laughs> and because of that I ended up in really toxic situations mm-hmm. um, that could have been avoided There's a lot of trauma that I have gone through that probably could have been avoided Mm -hmm. had I had a place like O-School where I could go online, right? Because let's be honest, going in person is intimidating as fuck. Yeah. Like, it's intimidating. Most people who go in person to, like, sex shops and workshops and things like that already have some modicum of, like confidence right right? no matter how small there's something there Mm. but if you have nothing and especially if you're dealing with trauma and shame yeah and like there's no one you can trust you're likely gonna go online Mm -hmm. and what are you gonna find porn (laughs) (laughs) ah. (laughs) and so i just think like if 18 year old me could have gone online and been like so what do i do and instead of finding porn, finding O school? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I'll, I'll leave it at that. That is real. That is real. And thank you for sharing that. Because I, I certainly agree, honestly. I, I look back on, you know, me not that long ago and like kind of similarly sort of like having questions around like sexual orientation and gender and all these things. And I'm like, wow, like if I'm like, I, old school would have been great. If I could just, if I could just opt right. into that, that would have been awesome. So right? Like, work- just to have... And, and, and why I say old school, because I don't want to make it seem like there aren't resources online. Mm-hmm. There are. But in terms of that intimate connection and, like, having a real person mm-hmm. talk to you and share their story with you and not only share their story with you, but then help you on your healing journey and then afterwards be like, okay... And now, let me show you how to do this. You know, you get to the fun stuff. Right. It's like a whole, it's a whole journey. 
to have like a real live person mm. there <laughs> that you can connect with. And then not only that, that pleasure professional, that's what we call our educators, mm. um, not only that person, but then having some people you can chat with. Yeah. And forming a community, right, of other people who can say, oh, girl, me too. Mm. You're not alone. <laughs> I am here. <laughs> I bear witness to your struggle. <laughs> Right. right, we in this together. Right, like, huh? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> oh, that is wow. That is so. Oh, the emotions, the emotions. Oh, the emotions. I'm all in my chest. <laughs> just, just swimming in my feelings. Like I just. Oh my god. Um. Wow. Well, the work that y'all are doing is incredible, and I think that just largely, you know, when you look across the country, like there's so many. Like you mentioned, there's so many educators, so many people doing amazing, amazing work, have all these amazing resources. And it's just unfortunate that this cannot be sort of like a standard part of like particularly like a public Mm -hmm. school education. Mm -hmm. And so until we can get to that place, I mean, the fact that there are places like O School that exist that like are not not even there for just like youth, but just just people. People. I'm like so literally like just I know so many older adults who are like, come, come, come do this. Tell me how to do this. Like just because woo. Listen, if I can get my mama to sign up (laughs) (laughs) This is a blessed day. Right. Here you go. Oh my gosh. So I just, yeah, I think that what y'all are doing is like amazing. And the fact that like you're able to fuse so many industries and platforms together, especially one in which like, you know, folks are like you mentioned, like they're starting from like square one or like 0.5. They're like, okay, they're like grandma square (laughs) 0.2. Like if I'm trying to learn just like basic stuff, like just to have not only the information, but like the community, that's, that's amazing. That's just, so the work that you're doing, I just... It's amazing. I just, just, just all the feelings. So just, I guess, like, as we kind of wrap up. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about some things that you're involved with, like, outside of old school. Sort of, like, how do you, like, practice self-care and all of that. Yeah. Ooh, self-care. Yes. So, as I mentioned before, I dance yes. and I cook. Actually, cooking is one of my biggest forms of self-care. And not just cooking, but creating. So, if I'm working and I get stuck on something, I will probably get up and go cook. Mm-hmm. Because creating, I feel, is very divine. Like, it's mm-hmm. like the act of actually creating something with your hands is very therapeutic and very divine. And it links me back in, in a lot of ways, like, spiritually. I love to cook. I tell my partner all the time, like, well, this doesn't pan out. I'll just go cook for the revolution. <laughs> they gotta eat. True. So. <laughs> right. I'll, just cook. I'll just cook for everybody, for the movement. And <laughs> that's how much I love to cook. And right. I love, not only love to cook, but I love it when people eat my food. Mm-hmm. I'm my grandmother's child. Like, I get so excited. <laughs> like, you cook, you eat my food and you like it? I'm like, yay. <laughs> like a little kid. <laughs> um, so that's one way. Other ways of self-care. I am an introvert. And so I need alone time a lot to recharge. So right. I write. And I love the water. Mm. So I'll go. I'm really excited about where we live in Atlanta now because we have a pool. Ooh. So, so just, you know, now I can just go get in the pool. But before I'd be like, okay, I need to, I would set Disney times to go to the ocean because I love the ocean. And it's, just, it's, oh, it's so healing and therapeutic for me. Yeah. Mm. So when I can't do that, I try to find self care like in small ways within my day. There's also like, I love this movement now of self-care being very, what I think people call boring things, Mm. right? So I have a history of depression and taking a shower sometimes when my depression was bad was Mm. an act of self-care, right? Mm. Like to other people that seems so menial or like trivial. It's like, okay, girl, you took a shower. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, no, that was like me making a decision to literally take care of myself Mm -hmm. even when it was really really hard right so like paying your bills that to me is self-care because Mm -hmm. i don't know about you but having debt gives me anxiety (laughs) so in order to not have anxiety i pay my bills that is (laughs) self-care 
That's wrong. Right? So, like, I, I also really enjoy boring, quote, boring self-care. Right. Like, paying my bills and brushing my teeth and, you know, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Calling my mama. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> taking my meds. Right. Like, that, that, to me, that kind of stuff is self-care. You know, as Heaven and Tracy always say, call your person, take your meds. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. That's real. <laughs> yeah. And then hanging out with my fiancé and my pup. Because they're the best. Okay, I have to ask, how did you meet your fiancé? Okay, so we met in, like, the most black gay DC way ever. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> we met at the National Black Justice Coalition's Out on the Hill conference. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, I, wow. Being all black and gay and professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm weakest. <laughs> <laughs> so yes <laughs> that is where i met my beloved mm-hmm. um september will be actually five years oh my gosh yeah light of my life and we had mutual friends of course because it's like you know it ain't but so big right. <laughs> so the community and things right. <laughs> um no it was great it was a great time to be in dc and be black and queer and figuring your life out yeah <laughs> it was fun <laughs> and we connected <laughs> in a very lesbian way because <laughs> there was a conversation happening at the conference about soulmates mm-hmm. and twin flames Mm-hmm. And we were participating in the conversation. You know, conferences are people come, they leave, they go. And eventually it was like five of us. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we realized we were finishing each other's sentences. This is very uncanny and very weird. Oh, wow. And the few people who were left basically just like slowly backed away. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, one of our friends were like, you know what? I'm just gonna leave y'all alone. <laughs> wow. And then it was just the two of us <laughs> talking about twin flames and things and Yep. Wow. Yeah. That is oh my god, that's so uh, I wanna meet Bayon out of the hill DC. Oh <laughs> uh, wow, that is incredible. Okay, I'll be sure to register. Yes, register. Shout out to MBJ. <laughs> Making love connections and whatnot. Right. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Oh my, wow. Well, that's incredible. I really hope to meet your partner one day. Um, especially since y'all are in Atlanta, because yes. you know I'm from there. We so we'll be there. I'll certainly, we you know, will be there. I'll yeah. hit y'all up. I'll I'll stop by and annoy yes, everyone by all means. But yes, yeah, so. Just a few, <clears throat> couple quick questions mm-hmm. for, you know, totally done. So I know that earlier you mentioned you look back on some of your experiences as like a motivation or mm-hmm. part of the reason why you're doing the work mm-hmm. that you're doing now. I'm curious, like if you could like just go back in time and talk yeah. to like that younger version of yourself. I know you mentioned you at age 18. Ooh, now you're you really trying to make me cry. Okay. What would you say to that person? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So first I have to pick an age. Okay. Because... So many things at so many ages yeah. <laughs> that need to be said. So let's pick an age. I'm going to go with 10-year-old me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was kind of the height of my body issue stuff. Um, and pre all of the sexual trauma that I would later experience. And so I think I would tell her that... Ooh, Marcel. (laughs) I would tell her that people are going to hurt you Mm -hmm. because they can. It's not your fault. Mm. And after the hurt, healing will come. And you're going to be amazing. Gosh. Wow. I, do, do you need a moment? To- <laughs> Ooh. <clears throat> that was a good question. <laughs> Y'all, Marcel got me in here crying. <laughs> I'm so I did not <laughs> That's do okay. Process, but That's okay. I'm <clears throat> so glad that you shared that. Thank you so much. Um, 
Because, wow, that is, like, deeply personal, and I very much appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. You're space, so <clears throat> thank, thank, you thank you for asking it. Yeah, Apparently, course. it needed to be set. Yeah. And <laughs> do you think that the person you are now, did you ever anticipate being this person that you are today? God, or no. Like, oh, my God, no. Not only am I an introvert, but when I was younger, I was shy. Mm-hmm. And awkward. I mean, I'm still awkward. Shout out to Issa Rae. Um, <laughs> Listen, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, awkward. Um, but I... I was raised in such a particular way to be a particular woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm so... I, in some ways, I am that woman. And in a lot of ways, I'm not that woman. <laughs> um, and so, no, I never really... I love my family so much. And mm-hmm. so, like, the things that they would say I had to do, I'd be like, okay. And it never occurred to me that I would grow up one day and realize, actually, these things hurt. Or these things don't work for me. Mm-hmm. Or, <clears throat> actually, remember that person who said I totally at all costs should not be? Turns out I'm her. <laughs> Right. And now it's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's awkward. My bad. But not, because... I mean... I mean, I am who I am. Like, why would I apologize? Why would I apologize? (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm awesome. But, you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I never... But it's, it's... What's interesting is that at a very, very young age, I knew my purpose. And I knew that... Um... I always knew, and I think it's part of the reason why I was able to let go of a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I always knew every single trauma that I encountered was because I was supposed to use it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I knew it, but it was just something I always knew. And so because I kept that with me, when I look back and I look Mm -hmm. at where I am now, it makes sense. Wow. Yeah, it makes sense. Hmm. That, wow, just, again, just the feelings, just, oh my god. Um, but yeah, that's... We're gonna need, like, a, like, a, a Oprah, aha, soul sucker. Right, like, you just... <laughs> like, whew, mm. Uh, Which, P.S. Oprah, if you ever hear this, yes, I would love to be on Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> Just FYI, just, 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 just letting you know. I love you, Mama Oprah. Oh my I love god, you. if Oprah listened to this podcast, I think I'm good, honestly. Like, I, I would just look you at said, life and be like, like oh, you made it. Like, I don't, like, don't need, like, don't need anything else. Like, I'm, I know. I I'm just, I, I can just retire now. I'm, I'm just, wow. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you so much for your time. You're I appreciate this so much. You've You're shared welcome. so much, and like for truly like in a very like a very riveting emotional discussion so i really just this is incredible thank you for having um, me of course. i've thoroughly enjoyed myself yeah do you have any like final words like where can we connect with you all that final words yes. okay so if i have final words is trust black women mm-hmm. always and forever yes we will never stare you wrong <laughs> <laughs> if you need proof look at auntie maxine and kamala harris right. <laughs> <laughs> and oprah Basically everybody. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing, but I'm serious. I'm Mm -hmm. very, very serious. Um, I do everything that I do and I am everything that I am because black women saved my life over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that is just the truth. Um, Where can you find me? I am on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me as Purposefully LJ. Mm Mm-hmm. I also have a website, which is LaticiaJames.com. That's L-A-T-I-S-H-I-A-J-A-M-E-S.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, O-School. Please go check out O-School if you are interested in signing up. We do have a wait list. So if you just go to our website, it's just O.School. So O period school. That is our website. Also, our company name. I know, it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> that's, shout out to the marketing person or whoever did that? Like, that's, wow. Yeah. Shout out to Andrea. Come on, um, Andrea. So please sign up for our wait list. We would love to see you on the platform. 
and love to hear from you. And if you're interested in being a pleasure professional, if you're a sex educator and would love to be a pleasure professional, we would love to have you. So yeah, feel free to fill out an application on the site. Got you. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, that I I hardly even have words. Like this is just such a really awesome discussion. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time and for you're holding welcome. the space and everything. You're welcome. And yeah, that wraps up this week's episode. Great. Thanks Thank for listening, y'all. Yeah. I'll see y'all soon. So I'm not sure about you, but I'm definitely emerging from my feelings after that episode, like literally was swimming in my feelings at the end. I hope you enjoyed the lively Letitia James. And with that concludes the first chapter on pleasure education. If you have any questions or thoughts on the episode, feel free to get in touch with us at definingequity at gmail.com. Also, at this point, O-School is officially launched and looking incredible. So definitely check them out at O.School. Next time, we'll be pivoting a little bit to talking about youth socialization and how we can use storybooks as a form of activism. You really won't want to miss this episode.